0: We're at the end of the island, brought to you by Junior Rowing News and Felipe.
1: Ready for rhythm, in two, in one, rhythm, now! Hello everyone, welcome back to the end of the island podcast stateside and it's uh, it's a delayed recording. We must profusely apologise for this, hitting your inboxes on a Friday, not a Thursday. There was sporting priorities Newcastle United beat Brighton. We had to delay our recording to the end of the Newcastle game. A mighty 4-1 victory for the Magpies. Champions League football is in sight, but that's not what's important. What's important just now is that we've had the conference championships in collegiate rowing. We know who's going to NCAAs. We know who's going to IRAs. But the most important thing of all is I am joined once again by Fraser Innes, sat in the Wisconsin Badgers boathouse to talk you through everything that happened last week. But before we get on to What on Earth Happened, a reminder, we are sponsored by the always wonderful Felipe, who are, of course, one of the most instantly recognisable rowing boat brands in the world. Since inception in 1980, they've carried crews to over 400 medals at World Championship and Olympic level and have a network of dealers across the globe. They pride themselves on an ability to custom create shells of the highest specification suitable for Olympic champions and novice athletes, Today, the running of the boatyard is undertaken by David Filippi. The Yard employs 60 technicians and produces just over 1,100 boats each year, which supply federations worldwide. And you get to see those boats in action at uh, the European Rowing Championships coming up just around the corner. And you can also head to FilippiBoats.com to learn more about what they can do for you. But now, Fraser, we go back stateside because we had an unbelievable weekend of racing taking place across the united states from friday all the way to sunday it was of course conference championships and we will start once again with the men we previewed the men first last week so we'll stick with them and there seems to be no better place to go than starting on the east coast at the eastern sprints in what was one of the most unbelievable set of racing across the whole of conference championships it was fast we had
0: the course record there nine times. Every single event across the board, that's including the lightweights, broke their course records. The winds were fast. Um, Northeastern, in their heat, broke what the previous course record, did not get into the grand final. It was fast. These boats were going sub-530. All six of the A final went sub-530. It was wild. And with quick racing, we had close racing as well. Yale did, as expected, come away with the win. But we had Princeton, Syracuse, Harvard, all within a boat length, all within a boat length of of Yale. They were all very close to Yale. So you can imagine how close it was between the three of them. Dartmouth and Brown uh, having overlap to that Harvard boat
1: that came fourth. And Harvard are back. That's not the first time we've said that about Harvard. Harvard are back and everything. Because they got turned over by Princeton earlier on in the season. And that just goes to show, I think, the journey that Princeton are on, having just risen through the rankings and find themselves second at Eastern Sprints, 1.3 seconds behind the mighty Yale Bulldogs in Steve Gladstone's last season. I just think what an unbelievable result for Princeton, which sets them up so nicely to go up against some of the West Coast powerhouses, particularly Washington. And I think Princeton have themselves in a really strong position for a bronze medal at IRAs. But I think, again, what an unbelievable result for Syracuse. Princeton-Syracuse, just 0.5 of a second separating those two crews. I think, yes, Harvard are back, they came fourth, but... Oh, to have, to have Princeton and Syracuse less than two seconds from Yale, I think that's wicked. And
0: Syracuse picking up their first medal at Eastern Sprints in a long time. I think the, the word on the street was about 20 something years since Syracuse had last been to the medal pontoon after the varsity eight. I say Harvard are back. They, they, they not only did they come fourth, which was an overperformance compared to the polls. they also won the second varsity eight in another very competitive heat as well. Um, they are in, against the Yale crew. Yale came fifth in the, the second varsity eight, despite having an Olympic champion on board. So some could argue that it's harder to win a bronze at the Eastern Sprints uh, than it is to win gold at the Olympics. And that is bronze in the second varsity eight.
1: Well, we'll leave that for you. We'll leave that, your, that hot take just dangling there uh, amongst, uh, amongst the waters and see what, see what response comes of it. But Yale, 523.6. As you said, they set the record... To, to win Eastern Sprints absolutely punched their ticket to IRAs. I think mean, they've punched like I don't know what I can't think of a particularly good metaphor about how well they've punched their ticket. But that result, and we've had some unbelievably close racing, and we will get on to what's happened in the Pac Twelves later, but the rank number two in the country at the moment do you think they should be number one?
0: As it is with rowing, when you get a time as quick as five twenty-three, you're going to have. There was a kicking tailwind uh, in Worcester this weekend. It was. It was. It was. It was quite roly. It was. It was just on the brink of being too much tailwind to go quick. It was basically perfect conditions, and um, and so that's probably what contributed to the time. What's I think the reason? I think the argument one could make to not put them number one is that they still had Princeton within a few. A Within a two seconds of them second and a half, they didn't push that margin massively. It was a very close you could you could throw a blanket over the field. It was a very close race I mean it'd have to be a very big blanket, six lanes
1: wide as we mentioned this it's of course Steve Gladstone's last season at the helm of Yale. What an unbelievable set of results he's strung together. he's won Harvard Yale races he's won national championships with them he won the 10-Ike team trophy last year which was phenomenal but the boys at Yale sorry the men at Yale they're not boys they're men who go to Yale there may be boys who turn up on day one but he sends them out in men who can take on the world and what a legacy for him to well first of all finish his eastern sprints on a winning record and to come away with a gold medal. But he'll certainly be eyeing up um, IRAs in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, indeed, they'll, they'll head back to
0: back to Connecticut with uh, with one goal, and it'll be looking west, and it'll be looking for those Californian Golden Bears.
1: Well, let's go to those Golden Bears who raced at the Pac-12 Championships. No surprise that the defending national champions came out on top over Washington. Uh, Stanford came fourth. Oregon State way off the back. The Beavers... The Beavers couldn't stem the tide with their dam of the demolition that took place of them. I tried my best with that. Um, However, California winning, congrats to them. To to be honest, they've ticked the box, they've done there. What the big thing is, Stanford were 0.6 of a second behind Washington. We talked about Stanford needing a big result last week, and I think they've absolutely delivered that.
0: Yeah, there was
1: there was very little. Uh, I think the, the
0: Huskies from Washington will be disappointed with that, with that finish to be to be uh, to be, be that far behind California. It's not quite where they want to be, but for Stanford to do turn out that performance, they have a small squad at Stanford. They don't have a third varsity gate because they just don't have enough guys to fill one. They are they're a small team, but they're able to punch. To be able to take a punch at the Huskies, who have a massive squad, to be able to swing at the Huskies and land a a fairly decent blow uh, is definitely something they will be happy
1: about. We've touched on Oregon State, a particularly poor result from them. But despite that, they're still going to be heading to IRA championships. They've booked... Booked a ticket to go out there, one of the 24 varsity teams who'll be competing in the, in the Varsity 8. So there's still a bit of redemption and an opportunity to claw themselves, to claw themselves, I suppose, up the rankings of what will be the C-final of of the IRAs. I think the
0: C-final is probably a, a likely place to put them. We'll obviously touch on this more in a couple of weeks when we, we preview the IRAs. But the C-final seems about where, they, where their ceiling is. They'll definitely be disappointed with that result. It was on home water as well, which is never fun. There will have been a lot of people there to, to come and see them to come back. And the, and the first Varsity 8 was, what, 25 seconds behind? And some of the lower boats were, were even further back.
1: Yeah, and we've touched with Yale. They won Eastern sprints, but not by much of a Princeton. And what that says about Princeton, on the flip side of things with Cal... They've put clear water into the huskies at pack 12s that's going to have them brimming with confidence as to what they can do particularly having laid down or particularly with some of the west Coast East Coast matchup racing that we had in Sarasota right at the beginning of this podcast uh, yeah
0: it's it's a definite it's a statement of intent from from the golden Bears they they, they demolish the field uh, I think that's an it's expansion on their margin that they put in in the UD, Cal Udub uh, duel it's also it was on a, a a quicker course so as as you will be aware well aware it's a lot if you're if you're racing a head race a mar margins will be much bigger and so too if it's slow conditions faster crews will be able to put more distance and time into the the slower crews just in terms of percentage based speed
1: let's move on to davviels because that's where tempo were heading out and racing and as well as alluded to last week, Temple have had injuries and illnesses, particularly in second and third eight. Their first eight hasn't been able to get out consistently, and it was all or nothing to to coin a phrase from an Amazon Prime documentary. It was all or nothing to to get themselves into uh, the IRA championships. And well, if they won, they were going to be able to come over Hen over to Henley. However. Sadly, based on their results, they will not be coming over to Henley. They're going to have to wait another year because Dad Vails didn't go as well as it should have done, did it for Temple? No, Temple needed needed second, possibly third.
0: There was there were a few sort of iffy spots. I think they underperformed expectations, and I didn't have the highest of expectations of them to be perfectly honest. Um. <laughs> They did they did What well, they, they needed to be closer to their to Colgate and LaSalle. It's not just they lost to them, they lost to them by a fair bit. I think there was open water between Temple and Colgate and uh and open water again between Colgate and LaSalle. So that's a lot of distance between Temple and, and where they where they really needed to be in order to get entry. And uh I they just they, they didn't quite rise up to expectation.
1: Dadbales, of course, won by Drexel, the Dragons, who have previously come over and raced Henley. Uh, they were two seconds above Lasalle, uh, f- just over five seconds on Kogi, and yeah, poor for Temple, nearly nine seconds back on on the field. So we're looking at about three lengths off how quick they needed to be, and particularly for for a regatta that they pride themselves in. It's it's almost their homecoming regatta at the end of the year it's yeah, back to the drawing board next year for Temple, but for Drexel, that's a it's a really solid result to go out and win, and win Dan Veils for them.
0: Drexel, obviously the biggest school on the East Coast who aren't in the sprints, uh, will be will be making a statement of intent. Now the, the sprints community is quite an insular one and they were looking largely at each other, but Drexel will give some of those petite guys who were in the petite final, which again was another very close final at sprints, those guys who were in the petite final might give them some, a little bit something to sweat about, because they don't want to be, they don't want to be beaten by someone outside of the major two conferences. I can tell you that
1: much. Those are some of the, I suppose, the big conferences with which have a huge, huge amount of implication on, on IRAs. Uh Twenty four universities have been confirmed for the national championship varsity eight, twenty two for the second varsity eight, eighteen for the third varsity eight, and for the varsity four, they allow. 34 universities to come over and compete <clears throat> on the men's side of things so the way
0: that works is the first eights will qualify and if your first eight qualifies and you have a second eight they can race if you have a third eight they can race but in the fours every everyone who pays their dues to the to the ira is able to race a four
1: we will get on to all of that and who's qualified and all that um on next week's episode or no the one in two weeks time because next week we're previewing ncaa's and the week after that, we'll be previewing IRAs. So huge amount to come. But just Fraser, very quickly, it's worth noting that there is five conferences uh, competing on the men's side of things. And there's just a couple that we haven't touched on. Do you just want to round those off uh, quickly?
0: The National Invitational Rowing Championships.
1: Um, The the winners
0: there were Williams, uh, who are a Division Three school. But... D- but the top Division one school and thus earning the automatic bid were MIT. On the Western sprints, uh, San Diego, as expected, took the victory. But the second automatic spot, which I was not aware of uh, when, I did my, when we did our previews last week, went to Santa Clara, which was an upset, getting the better of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. And that's
1: all of them. That leads us very quickly on to the rankings on the men's side of things, which have changed Uh, The coaches have decided to do a little poll post-conference championships uh, and a little bit of movement as we get finalising of who's going to be heading out to, to IRAs. And movement in the top three. California are number one, undisputed number one, some might say, throughout this season. Yale are two, but following the results at Eastern Sprints, as we've sung their praises of Princeton move up three places into the top three. And, and what a position that is for them. And that's done wonders for their for their lean, lean seedings for, for IRAs. That means Washington shift down one to four. Syracuse down one to five. Harvard, as we have alluded to, time to buy some stocks in them potentially up one to six. Stanford up one to seven. Dartmouth down three after a disappointing Eastern Sprint. Brown move up one to nine. Uh, Northeastern drop one. And that's your top 10. Very quickly then, BU up 2 to 11. Georgetown up 5. Massive moves for them to 12. Penn up 1 to 13. Your Badgers, Fraser of Wisconsin. The less said about that, the better at the moment. Down 3 to 14, but still going to IRAs. Cornell down 3 to 15. Drexel down 1 to 16. Columbia up 3 to 17. Navy down 2. LaSalle up 2 to 19. Oregon State got demolished, so they're down 2 to 20. Holy Cross down 2. And then it's nice and easy. It's non-movers at 22, 23, 24 of Colgate Temple at UC San Diego and new in Santa Clara at uh, 25, meaning the Gonzaga Bulldogs are dropped out uh, no longer in the top 25. So that was the men's side of things. As we said, we will be previewing the IRA championships in the week leading up to them. Uh, But now what we're going to do is introduce our guest for the week and I'm delighted to see joining us from the west coast of America for his takes on what on earth has happened at conference championships and of course looking ahead to the big dances to come, Hudson Forrester of the Four Stars podcast and he sat down with me to talk, as I said, all things conference champs and uh, what we can expect over the next couple of weeks. So delighted to sit down with him and here's his thoughts on all of the racing. Hudson, I suppose kicking off first question, we had unbelievable racing across the boards this past weekend. We had 11 women's conference championships, five on the men's side of things. And we were talking just previously just about how close some of the racing was. And I don't think there's a conference that personifies that more than the Eastern Sprints on the men's side of things those crews
2: were absolutely rapid all going under 530 in in the grand final of eastern sprints it was unbelievable i mean again one second margins off of each team uh you know this is gladstones last year yale wanted to put it together they wanted to you know come out on top and they did and so i think we saw crazy results from princeton and syracuse um i was extremely surprised off of half those results and uh, I haven't posted on my socials I was like this this has to get attention
1: yeah which one surprised you the most do you think Princeton
2: Princeton for sure I mean obviously people who've been around the, the rowing world have seen you know Syracuse has always been a great team but that result as well was, was unbelievable I think you know Princeton's Cox by Connor Neal he's a Cox in, uh, from St. Joe's Prep he won a national championship in 2021 and uh, he's just only a sophomore and he's doing great things and so I think when you have someone like that in command of a boat at the coxswain seat you expect to see good, good results and uh, he's doing that all day every day so uh no shout out to dad that that team's going to get even better in the next couple of years mm. and uh yeah so it was it was unbelievable what a
1: vital tool to have in your coxing seat someone who was at st joe's who just dominate the junior side of things and he's coming in as a national championship he knows how to win but i suppose most importantly He's coming to Princeton expecting to win, to continue the hard work and success that he's had as a junior. I mean, to have that in the coxing seat is is,
2: is what a, what a tool. It's a privilege. Those coaches got it on, on lock. You know, they really. When you are involved with the program, and especially have a coxswain like that on your team, you'll know that you have security within that boat when you're not looking at when you're, you know when you're not looking at that boat, uh, because he's doing great stuff, and uh, he's you know. He's worthy to be there for sure. So I mean, I, I'm excited for the team as well.
1: There's be yeah. You touched on a surprise at Princeton, but a, maybe not necessarily a surprise. But I suppose validating what's been a tough season for them. Brown coming sixth in in the grand final of Eastern Sprints. Yes, the margin was I suppose you say only five and a half seconds. It's about a length of clear water. They still went sub five thirty, but here they are, very much. On the outside looking in, a potentially a spot in the grand final of, of IRAs.
2: Yeah, Brown's doing great stuff. I mean, I just had a podcast, Willekensowski. I had a podcast with him, and uh, he's our seventh seat. You know, he's a national championship in the men's you know youth quad, and uh, that guy, he's he's got on luck. He's a great athlete. He's uh, also an under twenty three. You know, he competed at the world championships for the USA, and uh, you know this guy's got it, and so does their Cox and Jack Di Giovanni. Uh, you know, again, that coaching staff, Scott Cockle, great athlete as you know uh, Rufus Biggs and uh, you know head coach Paul Cook I think that that team is going to do great stuff uh, is going to continue to do the great stuff and that's only going to get better uh, as time goes on so we'll see improvement from Brown as well next year for sure and I'm excited to see it
1: when you're when you're talking to the guys was it was it a sense of frustration about the results that they've had in this season so far or is it very much thinking, do you know what, this is, this is a stepping stone for us when we can we can look to the future with these results?
2: There hasn't been any frustration, to be honest with you, Fergus. Uh, there's only thing that I've seen from Brown is the willingness to keep on going out there and to improve every time they go out there. Uh, so they want it, they're going to keep going after it, and uh, they're always going to be there somehow because they always work their ass off. Uh, so I'm excited to see it. And they got some fast ergs as well. Uh, they're really working hard on the ergs and as well as um, in the water too. So I'm, I'm excited to see it, really am excited to see it. Yeah, Brian very much,
1: I suppose, outside looking in. And Yale coming away, obviously the best there, Steve Gladstone's last Eastern Sprint, he, he's won there as class for him, really, really good. But he'll obviously be wanting his, wanting his IRAs to go out on a high and then go out on a high against Harvard in the, in the Harvard-Yale race. But if they're gonna win the IRAs, they've gotta beat Cal, who are currently undisputed number one in the country defending national champions, is anyone going to beat Cal, do you think, at the IRAs?
2: Man, I wish I could have like a little spell that I could see the future and see what's going on. But to be honest with you, man, that's going to be one hell of a race. I think, to be honest with you, besides NCAAs this year, because with Princeton and Texas going head-to-head, uh, being able to see Cal and Yale go up again this year is going to be one of a kind. Uh, you know, Again, like, like, like you mentioned before, Gladstone's last year, I mean, they have to do something big time this year. They have to come out with a dub or something. Uh, but at least make it a good race. You know what I'm saying? Because Gladstone's been a part of Cal. He's also been a part of Yale. So it's like both of his two teams are going out. And I even asked him on the podcast I had with him. I said, you know, what is it like to kind of watch your old team go after against your current team? And he's like, well, you know, it's it's this is our race. This is I'm only worried about our race and things like that. So again, I'm I'm really excited to see it. Yale's been doing great stuff this year as well really putting it down and uh, getting great results so I'm really excited to see it I I don't know what's going to happen my money my money is ideally on probably Cal just because of their performance to be honest with you but uh you know that
1: Clearwater win over Washington not just
2: once but but twice now in the season
1: I think very much solidifies where they want to be undisputed number one in the country as we said and yeah I suppose going into it it's it's theirs to lose. I think whilst they won, um, they won the national championship in the varsity eight last year. The one they didn't win, though, is the team trophy, and I suppose that's the next thing for them to win is to, to to do the sweep, to win the varsity eight, get a good result in the second, third, and the four as well. And whilst that's big on the NCAA side of thing, obviously it's not so big on the on the men's side of things because you've got to win the varsity eight. Is that something you'd like to see more of, seeing teams actually go out to to win a team trophy on the men's side of things?
2: 100%. I mean, I think if your team's overall a phenomenal team and they can race well, uh, that stands true to what the coaches are able to implement in their athletes all the time. Uh, And that's also a big selling point too. It's like we don't just focus on our varsity eight, we focus on our freshman eight boats and things like that too. So I think if a team's all around quality and they put out their best performance each time they go out there on the water, then that's going to really who was the really top dog on the IRA level. And so, I mean, Cal's freshman eight this year is looking pretty good, and uh, they were doing great stuff at Pac-12s. So, again, we'll see. And, again, part of their uh, freshman eight, Chris Weiss, he's a uh, St. Joe's prep stroke seat who won the national championship, uh, was originally at Washington, then transferred to Cal. Uh, so that was interesting, too. So, again, I, I'm excited for it. Uh, But again, I would like to see a a whole team going after it and winning the whole team points trophy as well.
1: When you look down the list of entries for, yeah, let's say for the Varsity 8, obviously 24 crews are are going and racing. Who do you think has the best opportunity to provide some sort of an upset? Be it someone, say, top six or seven going out and winning the national championship or perhaps one of the lower ranked teams going out and just massively
2: overperforming? Well, you know, it's so funny, Fergus. You know, Northeastern is a, <laughs> doing great stuff, too. Uh, and, you know, they weren't in the A final last year, I don't believe. Uh, you can fact check me on that. I don't believe they were in the A final last year. Uh, but, you know, I think in our A final this year, we'll see Cal. We'll see Yale. We'll see Washington. Uh, you know, we'll see Princeton for sure. We'll see Syracuse. I don't know how much I'm right now. I think I'm at four or five. Uh, but, you know, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of see Harvard and uh that other crew is, is honestly northeastern to be honest with you. I like to see Harvard North and East, Northeastern go up head to head. Uh that'd be really cool as well. And you know, Browns was there I believe last year too. So we'll see how they do, man. We'll really see how they do. Dartmouth's up there as well, contentions for the A final. So it's gonna be a great race.
1: Yeah, and yeah, you've you've listed off a lot of the Eastern Sprint schools, the Ivy League schools. And one of the treats that or one of the delights that we were treated to at the beginning of the season was when Yale went down to along with a couple of the other Ivy League schools and raced Washington in Sarasota. And that opportunity, you you must have loved that. I mean, I thought it was brilliant getting that opportunity for East and West to come together because it doesn't happen enough, I don't think.
2: We talked about that too. I haven't called you and we talked about it because it was going to be such a great race. And that was the weekend, April 1st, of when Crew Classic was happening, when Oxford Brooks and uh, Canada came down to race Cal. And what a, what a race that was as well, you know. It was just unbelievable. Uh, and again, Jackie Giovanni, Coxon at Brown, you know, he's really in charge of that crew. Willa Gonzalez as well. I mean, he got some great guys. I mean, Gus Rodriguez, he's, uh was at Brown. He transferred to uh, uh, Cal for his uh, grad year. And, I mean, it's it's great. I mean, these athletes all perform at the highest level. And they work at the highest level. They don't they don't, you know, play around. So I was I was in shock to see the results coming out of, you know, that race. You know, Yale obviously won that race against Washington and Brown came in third. But I'm going to tell you, man, this race IRA's this year is going to be one of a kind.
1: But the one that's coming before that coming up next weekend is NCAAs. Uh, and I'm so excited for that for Princeton against Texas. You've got the national champions going up against the number one, the new number one in the country, Princeton against Texas. And I think what's what's so great about um, about your podcast is that you've been able to get chatting with so many athletes at so many different programs and getting insights to to them in in the states. And you've been able to talk a huge amount with the the Texas Roars and and get to get to speak with them and having spoken with them how do you think they're dealing with the fact that they're now heading into the i into ncaa's not actually as
2: favorites talking to almost the entire varsity eight on the podcast and knowing these people pretty well i will say one thing texas is always going to be there and they're going to bring it to ncaa this year that's all i'm going to say uh, i think that rachel rain in charge of that boat kate nifton and stroke seat, that entire eight is one of a kind and uh, it might be the best Texas eight a- that there's, there's ever been. Uh, again, they're coming off for a three-time national championship victory this year consecutively, and so if they come out with a dub, it's going to be history. And also Princeton, I mean, I saw a video of Princeton r- uh, rowing. They're they're fierce. Like off the catch, bro. Those, gu- those those girls are those girls are putting it forward. Like they're really going after it. So I'm excited to see that race. But again, I think Texas will win it. I really do.
1: But that's 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 incredible. You're saying that you think it's one of the best Texas heats of all time, and yet Princeton went out and beat them. Admittedly, it
2: was on they Princeton's. Did. They year. did beat them by one second, though. It was only one second. And again, that was very similar to Eastern Sprints. But again, I think that now that they're going back for a second time, they know what Princeton's able to do. They know that their downfalls that would happen last race when they went down to Jersey. So again, I'll be uh, you know, Second time around, let's see if they can do it. I think they can. I really do think they can. I don't think Dave Dave O'Neill is playing around this time around either. I think he really wants his team to do well and perform their best that they can. That they can. And uh, so we'll see it. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I think my money's on Cal my money's on Texas. Oh, with that,
1: the, there's obviously we've got the the conference winners who go. We've got the at large bids who who get themselves in as well. I suppose a similar question to what I asked about the IRAs. When you look at the list and obviously what's important, what's quite special about NCAAs is that it's the entire team performance that matters across the board. Your varsity eight, your second varsity eight and the varsity four. Those three boats. And one that we haven't mentioned so far yet is, is Yale, who are famed for the strength of their second eight. What would you like to see from Yale just to help challenge them or or to help see them step up a little bit more into the top positions in the varsity and, and challenge in the varsity and the varsity four as well.
2: Again, you know, I got to show love to my, my friend, Hope Glusha. She is a, the the caught that they just won the varsity four and, and she's from Los Angeles. Let me just tell you one thing, man. Yale has got a great team, a real great team. And uh, they also are very, they will definitely be an A final this year at NCAAs. And uh, I am super, super excited to see how that all pans out. Again, Yale went up against Texas and Princeton. And that race, like I mentioned before, was one of a kind as well. So I am very interested to see how they pair up against also Stanford as well. Stanford's putting it down too. They won their Pac-12 championships this week, this past weekend. And uh, they got some serious racers in that boat as well. So we'll see how it all pans out. But again, this year of rowing is going to be... One of a kind. I, I keep on saying it, but it really is the truth for me. Fraser and I have
1: talked about Stanford and almost coming in, not so much as underdogs, because that's I think that would be incredibly disrespectful to say that they're underdogs, but almost unnoticed because Princeton and Texas take a huge amount of the attention. Yale and Washington take a huge amount of the attention on the West Coast with that rivalry. And yet there you, you constantly have this Stanford program who are consistently excellent year on year. Do you think they, are, they deserve more respect than, than what they perhaps get on, on a national scale? Or, or is that, my, is that my, my perspective of it as a Brit who's not in America?
2: Listen, man, Stanford's always going to be there, and they're always going to put down phenomenal results. They got some, like I mentioned before, some really great rowers. One of them to mention, Norga Willie. She just won U19 Women's Athlete of the Year, uh, and her, she won a national championship. She's a two-time world championship. Uh, and she also broke a world record. So, listen, they got some great athletes, all right? And not just saying that, but Stanford, again, they they won pac 12s they beat Cal, they beat UW. I mean, this is a great, a great race. And I cannot tell you how many people are going to be on the YouTube live stream watching the NCAAs and IRAs this here because I'm telling you. And I'm going to try to do my best to commentate it, too. Uh, but hope that answers your question. Does Stanford
1: perhaps get overlooked because of that rivalry on the West Coast, do you think, between Washington and Cal?
2: Again, like you mentioned, you know, they won Pac-12s, and the fact that they won their conference championship just says something about their team, what they're able to do. You know, it, it's not just who wins the varsity eight, it's who wins all the races all around. They add all the points together and see, you know, who's who's in the uh, the top uh, ranking. So all I'm going to say is this, Cal and UW have been going at it for years. More than I, more than you and I have been alive, you know. what I mean, it's it, they've been going at it for a long time, and so that, that potentially it, it, they they could, but you know, potentially they could, but I I doubt that 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 would be any sort of holdback from uh, Stanford coming out on the top because they're I think they're the best in the West uh, in terms of the women's side, and Cal uh, is trailing right behind them, right behind them, and so is U Dub. So. We will see, like I mentioned before, a wonderful NCAA's this year, and uh, we'll definitely see all three of those teams in the A final for sure.
1: What's fascinating is we've already had a Stanford-Texas matchup already at Crew Classic. Stanford, uh, Stanford coming out second to Texas in terms of those two those two schools, so work to be done there. But in terms of underdogs, and speaking of people who are overlooked potentially, Pennsylvania had an unbelievable outing in the varsity eight, but also in the team trophy as well. And they came third overall at uh, Ivy League championships. Uh, Princeton won it, obviously. Yale came second. Uh, but Pennsylvania were two points on the team trophy ahead of Brown. And
2: what an unbelievable result from Penn on the team, but the varsity eight as well. Yeah, you know, U Penn is wonderful team. They got some great athletes as well. And they tend to get a lot of athletes from the junior national team as well. And which that also does being fun, because again, a lot of these athletes aren't going to the school just for the rowing, they're going for the actual program in school and academics itself. So uh I think that Penn will show out and they're going to the NCAAs, you know, they've made their mark. So we'll see. Penn State is the Nittany Lions, isn't it? What's the University of Pennsylvania? Oh, they're, they're the Quakers. The, oh, oh, that's quite yeah. underwhelming, actually. <laughs> the Quakers. Yeah, they're the Quakers. Uh they are the Quakers, but uh, I'm telling you right now, you know, U Penn, the men's team as well, they got a new head coach uh this year. Came over from Dartmouth, you know, Al Monte. So uh, you know, U Penn men's team hasn't really pulled out the results that they've been in the last couple of in the last couple of years in terms of really, really solid results. Um, but again, I always think that optimism in rowing is so missly uh people tend to forget how important optimism is in the sport. So uh I think that we will see wonderful results from both teams this year and better than hopefully last year. You know what I'm saying?
1: So just finally, um, two words from you. I want the winner of the IRA National Championship and I want the winner of the NCAAs from you.
2: Winner of the IRA and NCAA. Fergus, I've never told this to anybody before, uh, but I'll tell it to you because I, I trust you and I think it'd be cool. Yeah, yeah uh, I feel I'm that blessed. That blessed, uh, On this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, winner of the IRA varsity 8 Uh, We'll see uh, Cal coming out for the championship this year. And uh, I think Yale will be trailing right behind them, like right behind them. It it will be the craziest race I think we've seen all year. Uh, And again, for NCAA, uh, I see Texas coming out with the dub this year, with Princeton right behind them. Like, again, it's very interesting to me because Yale and Cal are the two teams that go up against in the IRA event that we'll see insane racing from. And then also we'll see... Princeton and Texas going at it head to head, and uh, you know we'll see Texas duking it out. They might not be in the, in the in the lead for the majority of the race, but they'll come out with a dub. Just I know I know it will happen if it doesn't happen it doesn't ha- you know it doesn't happen, but I think it will
1: So a huge thanks to Hudson for sitting down with me sharing his thoughts on conference championships. Great to have his insight into the world of collegiate racing uh he's been networking with athletes across the country so great to draw on his experience as we roll up to NCAA and IRE championships national championships coming up in a couple of weeks now and speaking of NCAAs we will have a recap now of everything that's gone on on the women's side of things and pick up all the news that came out of selection show Monday yes of course in America they had an entire selection show on the NCAA network it wasn't just a pdf document that sent out that was sent out on the british rowing channels on the bucks channels no there was an official show 15 minutes long and i loved it it was brilliant and this will be giving the game away a little bit but they split it up you've got your automatic qualifiers your your conference winners and then you've got your at-large qualifiers those who have done well enough in their conferences to gain selection to ncaa's and your automatic qualifiers were George Washington Gonzaga Jacksonville Michigan Navy Northeastern Princeton SMU Stanford Texas and Virginia now unless you listened to last week's show that won't mean much so Fraser let's head over to the women's side of the racing and let's start at the at the Ivy League side of things because there we of course have our number 1 seed Princeton Tigers out there racing and they got the job done where it mattered most at Ivy League. Yeah, it was
0: uh, Ivy League's was taking place at the same place at the same time as Eastern Sprint. So I was able to see these come down the track. I was uh, in the varsity eight. Princeton got the win and they needed it. They hadn't had quite as good a performance in the second and the varsity eight and the four. So they needed to win and hope Yale didn't do very well. And Yale came third, Penn, another team who haven't been up towards the pointy end in the varsity eight for a while were able to come second in that race and uh, and third in the points overall, uh, while Brown will be a little disappointed to come fourth in both the points and the varsity eights. I had a concerned mother of a Brown athlete uh, stood next to me as that race came down the tracks, frantically worrying that her girl was going to miss out on NCAA's. But I but I, I assured her that was not the case. Brown have a, a phenomenal body of
1: work, so they should be fine. They should be so Princeton. I was about to say comfortable win. It was 1.6 seconds, the margin over a pen, which which is good enough, I think. Particularly when they were coming into it as number one seeds in the country, first priority was getting a win. Yeah, And just getting that monkey off their shoulders of being, oh my God, we're number one in the country, what are we going to do? But I think they dealt with that particularly well. And as you said, whilst the other crews didn't do particularly well, when it matters most, in the boat that matters most, the varsity steps up and delivers, and I, that, I imagine that would be laying a blanket of calmness over the rest of the club um, as we lead into NCAA's now. Uh,
0: indeed, uh, Princeton were—it was another quick race. Um, the, they nearly broke six minutes. That's how quick it was. We nearly had a women's crew breaking six minutes, and that Princeton crew was phenomenal. They, as you see, um, they raced Penn. Just the, the last race of the end, regular season was also against Penn. And Penn managed to close the margin, basically cut the margin in half uh, in the final as they uh, as they caught it down to 1.6 seconds versus the three second margin that Princeton had put up in the regular season.
1: Pennsylvania almost peaking just at the right time as well for them. I mean, moving up Princeton, solid result, which means that they came third overall in the team trophy at, at Ivy's. A little bit off the points of Princeton and but it doesn't matter. They beat Harvard, beat Columbia, beat Dartmouth and Cornell in a team trophy. And yeah, sets them up nicely. Just a word, you mentioned a poor result for Brown off, off the pace a little bit. Just, just over five and a half seconds off the likes of, of Princeton and whatnot. But they've done enough to get themselves an at-large bid, but... Not the result they would have wanted. No, um,
0: Brown have high standards. They have a very, they have a very talented. They have a very young crew as well. Not a single senior in that first varsity eight uh, when I went through it. Not a single senior, which is is a youth, and it will be a great, inspiring that that crew was able to be that close to a Princeton crew that is that quick. As I say, yeah. I I will say this again: six minutes and one second to come down the course is very
1: quick. Unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. Uh, speaking of unbelievable, uh, unbelievable dominance in the Big Twelve Conference championships from Texas, who own this conference is the way to do it. Absolutely demolish the field as they do. No one came close to Texas. They were they were that good in the varsity eight. Uh, the the only <laughs> it seemed bizarre having having just talked about Princeton doing uh, nearly sub six. Texas only did a 6-11 in the final. <laughs> but I suppose that's all you can do when your next best Alabama is over 18 seconds off you. And we said last week, we said last week Alabama were very much on the outside looking in when it came to um, their position at IRA, uh, when it came to their position uncertainty for NCAAs and they did absolutely nothing to merit an opportunity to go to NCAAs.
0: Uh, indeed, their their first date was well off the pace, and their second date was even further back. The the I think it's worth thinking about twenty thirteen. That was the last time Texas didn't win a single event at the Big Twelve Championships. Uh, under current head coach Dave O'Neill, they have swept every single event every single year. And uh, the Big Twelves it's so, it's it's not really that fun to watch because we know the girls in uh, burnt orange are going to come down the track. In well in front of the rest of the field,
1: um, in to come into those positions on top, it's just utter dominance, and it means that Texas will be the Big 12's only representation at the NCAA's this year. And of all the people to go and represent you, it's uh, it's pretty good, pretty good to have them. Let's head on up to Big Ten Conference Championships in Indianapolis. Um, so we've previously mentioned just how competitive this conference is and just how tight some of the racing can be, particularly amongst the rank crews who aren't necessarily challenging for top positions, challenging for medals at NCAAs, but the ones who will be pushing for the last place in the A final, or sorry, the grand final, uh, and uh, high up places in the petite final as well. And Michigan came out on top, but Again, that rest of the pack is just so tight behind.
0: It was an interesting race, obviously, as we, with Wisconsin there, not, not at the pointy end, but we were still watching the racing coming down. And, um, and it, was, it, was a, it was a ferocious... Michigan took a lead. Uh, Michigan, with the Big Ten having lots of boat categories that count towards points, Michigan needed a big performance from that. Ohio State had done very well further down the track. Michigan had it, and they had that in hand, but they needed a favour. And they got that favor from an Indiana crew who made a late charge through the field in order to steal that silver medal in the varsity eight away from Ohio State. As Indiana, Ohio State and Rutgers were all within just over half a second uh, in that varsity eight final in a very tight uh, pack.
1: I'm quite keen to look at that Iowa result. Number 18 Iowa came in 10 seconds ahead of Michigan. And that means they've missed out on a place at NCAAs. Indiana, Ohio State and Rutgers are all going. And Rutgers are, of course, only ranked two places above Iowa. If Iowa had been in the mix, even if they'd still finished where they did, so that would have been fifth, if they had been in that sort of four and a half to five second gap back on Michigan, do you think they would have deserved a spot at... um,
0: as I said in the preview, in the Iowa boats have been somewhat of a dice roll. You don't know what boat's going to show up, and with big Tens being a straight final, there's no heats, they go eight wide down the track on Eagle Creek and they uh, and they just and, and that's how it is. It's, it's all or nothing. and when you've got a crew that's like a dice roll, it's, you're going to struggle a little, but what we did see was them struggling all the way down the field. They came sick in the second varsity eight, which certainly won't have helped them a better performance in the four, but still well off the back of that top three uh, in that event. It's about producing all the way up and down the field and producing reliably. And the, the NCAA's job is to select the people who will be make close and competitive racing. And you can't,
1: you can't guarantee an, the Iowa crew is going to do that. But of course you can with the rest of that Big Ten field. Michigan, the best of them. Hail, hail to Michigan, The champions of the West go blue, which sounds a bit funny given that it's the Big Ten and Michigan tend to be in the Big Ten East. Yeah. But they're saying champions of the West. Again, Americans sort themselves out. But they are champions, champions of the Big Ten heading to the big dance at the NCAAs. And as we said, that's more than could be said for Iowa. So it's back to the drawing board for them. Let's keep things moving on, though, uh, because there's lots to get through in the women's side of things. Let's go to the Atlantic Coast Conference Championships, where our good friends over at Duke were racing. And Duke have had an unbelievable amount of success under their new head coach. They've, they've qualified for NCAAs numerous times, uh, very much rising in the ranks of, of, of college rowing in the United States. And they've done it again they have managed to book themselves an at-large spot but a margin against virginia in second and syracuse who won the whole thing in the acc that they'll be slightly concerned about they were closer to miami who were over 13 and a half seconds off syracuse than they were to syracuse and that's got to be worrying for them
0: yeah it's it's a it's a It's an interesting trend. The the ACC has three big hitters. You have Virginia, you have Syracuse, you have Duke, and these sort of and up and down the the order. Syracuse have a phenomenal first date, but they didn't quite have the results to back it up further down the field. Um, So they didn't even they won the first date, but they didn't win the conference as a whole on the points. And um, and Virginia, uh, who are who were very close in that first date, were managed to take out the win. Duke, however were close in all of the other boats. They came second in the second date, they came second in the four, and those were by much more slim margins. In the second date, it was less than a second. And uh, and they were and they were they were there or thereabouts. It was, I'm, i imagine there will be some there will be some reshuffling, reevaluating over the next couple of weeks, sort of the week just been and the week coming up as they as they look towards the NCAA championships, because no one's a finish finished article, perhaps Duke may have uh, trained more heavily into it as they have. They were in the ACC. I don't think there was much question mark over Duke getting an automatic bid. All three of those have basically secured it based on their their conference results. So they could look, they could afford to look forward a bit more as opposed to those in the more competitive conferences. I say competitive. There's three big hitters. It's still a very competitive conference. But those with those who are who would be likely to try and miss the, the Ivy Leagues, the Big Tens, the Pac-12s, who uh, who were were having a much more important, so to speak, result at their conference championship.
1: There's been a huge amount of business as usual, as as we've touched on, particularly with the likes of Texas going out and blowing the field away. Your Princeton number ones coming away and, and performing very well. And another one of our top teams is Stanford, who are racing in the Pac-12s, and I suppose business as usual, in the sense that Stanford came away, they won the Pac-12 Conference Championships, which was brilliant for them. A really strong performance in the varsity eight. But let's have a look, particularly at some of those other races that took place, particularly Washington and California going head-to-head. Because while number six, Washington, beats number seven, California, in the varsity eight, the margin-fraser of those two teams was unbelievable.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, it was we, we've seen this uh, a lot of the time. We have quite a tight field on the, in the pack 12 And Washington and California have both been criticised for not really racing anyone in the regular season. But at conference championships, they can't avoid it. They have to race everyone. And the margins were, again, quite good for Washington. Washington got up almost a seven-second win over California in the, in the first date. And they managed to overturn the loss that they'd suffered at the duel in the second date, uh, which was, as, as we touched on at the time, was, was a little bit, there were some sort of refereeing shenanigans that almost went on. But there was no doubt about it. They put seven seconds into the California second date to actually beat the Stanford second date, which is another impressive. Washington really making a statement while California sort of, I wouldn't quite describe it a whimper, but I'm going to allude to the fact I might describe it as a whimper. Uh, they they had quite an underwhelming Pac-12 conference, um, coming third in all three events and
1: quite a distant third at that. But it's not the end of the world. They've got two weeks, well, now less than two weeks now that uh, by the time this podcast comes out, nearly only just a week to to sort themselves out before, before flying and, and, and racing. But for Stanford, I think, as we said, they've been one of these programmes that because you've got Washington, California, that rivalry, because you've got Texas and Princeton at the top, it's almost as if Stanford were not so much forgotten about, it, but almost a second thought. And yet here they are, gone and just put five seconds into Washington, won the Pac-12s by clear water, and only number four in the country. Yeah, Stanford, I think
0: will will quite rightly feel a little hard done by on their, on their on their rankings. They've been the second place team at the NCAAs the last two years. They've been equal on points with Texas at the NCAAs the last two years. This is a good squad with good results. I think they moved down to four almost without real explanation after after Texas were upset by Princeton. And they've sort of stayed there as if the coaches are being like, "Mm, we're not quite sure what's going on on the West Coast. And this NCAAs will give them an opportunity to, to put themselves back in contention. I think the NCAAs
1: can going to be very interesting. One crew who should count themselves very lucky that they are heading to the NCAAs is University of Southern California, the Trojans, over 18 seconds back on Stanford uh, and we're only two and a bit seconds ahead of Oregon State and Oregon State aren't going to NCAAs. So I think USC have just squeaked in by just about the narrowest of margins to the NCAA's, and yeah, they'll they'll be very relieved by that, I think.
0: The the selection committee definitely are quite hot on the West Coast teams because they because normally the the pattern on this podcast so far has been you say someone's had an unfortunate result in the first varsity eight and then I say they're doing great in the lower boats, but they're not. They they lost to Oregon State in the second day. And they put in even less time. They were they put like one point one seconds into them in the four. USC I are definitely the the last man in or last team in um into the NCAAs. And to be honest, I can't really explain it. Uh how how they've managed to get in there.
1: In terms of the points tallies from Pac Twelves, USC only beat Oregon State by one point. And yeah, USC are in Oregon State aren't in. Bad weekend for the Beavers. But the Trojans, I think, go into the NCAAs, and we'll talk more about this next time around. But I've really got to go out and prove themselves that they actually deserve to be at this year's NCAAs. And they haven't just been gifted this because they're on on the West Coast, they're in the Pac-12s. They've actually got to go out and prove, beat some teams and prove that they deserve to be there.
0: Harvard were probably the last ones out. And their head coach has just announced her retirement, so to miss out on NCAA's in her final season will have been quite disappointing um, for for Harvard, especially given uh, they also probably underperformed on the margins this weekend. But I think the the committee's desire for some sort of geographical balance to include more from the West has allowed USC to sort of slip up, slip in at, under the under the closing door, a la spy movie.
1: Just before we run through everyone who's been included in the at large qualifiers. There's been a whole heap of other conferences. Um, for everyone who listened last week, you'll know we went through 11 different conferences and we haven't got the strength or energy to do that again this week. It's been a long week. Um, can you just round off some of the headlines from the other conferences? Uh, who's in some of the upsets as well? And and then once you've done that, we'll, we'll take a look at the at-large qualifiers. In the
0: Atlantic 10, we had George Washington getting in. Uh, Over Rhode Island, George Washington winning that conference for the first time and thus making their first appearance at the NCAAs. Uh, On the Colonial Athletic Association, it was no such first time available. Northeastern dominating the fields, winning all three events and, and making, I think, their ninth successive NCAA appearance in the Metro Atlantic Conference. Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, Jacksonville, who are not in the Metro. Uh, but they are racing in the conference anyway, which is something I take geographical issue with. They won, possibly because they get to race all row all year, whereas the people in the actual metropolitan area experience winter. Um, in the in the Patriot League, however, this was our our closest race. This one went to tiebreakers. Uh, equal on points were Navy and Boston University. Boston University came first in the second date and the four. But Navy won the first date, which gave them the tiebreaker, equaled them up on points, and so Navy upset Boston University and stopped them from going to the NCAA's. Out on the west coast, while on the men's side, Gonzaga were upset. No such luck on the on the women's side, as they won their uh, event. And the last conference championship to mention was SMU, who have been the dominant force in the American Athletic Conference uh, for a while, uh, winning that overall with I think the only notable result being the underperformance of US UCF, who some would have suggested might be pushing to make an appearance in their final year in the American Conference. Uh, they, they did not in fact come second and had their worst performance in a number of years.
1: Fraser, love your work as always. That was brilliant. And that can steer us very nicely onto the at-large qualifiers. We've talked about who had got automatic qualification for winning their respective conference and just to summarise the at-large qualifiers, they were Brown, California, Duke, Indiana, Ohio State, Pennsylvania, Rutgers, Southern California, Syracuse, Washington and Yale. So now we know, we know who is heading to the IRAs, the Men's National Championships and we know who's heading to the NCAAs, the Women's Championship and the... NCAAs are taking place first of all that is next weekend the 26th to the 27th of May at Cooper River Park in New Jersey on the East Coast and we will be back next week to preview everything that is taking place at the NCAAs we're so excited for that and I think I could babble on just now about how excited I am but we're going to save it all for next week and bung it all into one episode and uh, and talk all things NCAA next week. That'll bring an end to today's episode. Just a reminder before we shut down that we are still sponsored by Felipe, one of the world's most instantly recognizable rowing boat brands in the world. Since inception in 1980, they've carried crews to over 400 medals at World Championship and Olympic level and have a network of dealers across the globe. They pride themselves on an ability to custom create shells with the highest specifications suitable for Olympic champions and novice athletes. Today, the running of the yard is undertaken by David Felipe. The yard employs 60 technicians and produces just over 1,100 boats each year, which supply federations worldwide. Head to felipeboats.com to learn more. But for now, that'll bring an end to today's episode. A huge thanks to Fraser for joining me in Wisconsin once again. Huge thanks to Hudson for hopping on, sharing his thoughts about collegiate racing in the United States. And we'll see you all next time, stateside, at the end of the island. <laughs>